this is Chaos Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. And today we are doing another rendition of Movie Monday. And um, today I'll be discussing Book Smart. So it is about two academic overachievers, Amy and Molly, that thought keeping their noses to the grindstone gave them a leg up on their high school peers. But on the eve of graduation, the best friends suddenly realized that they may have missed out on the special moments of their teenage years. Determined to make up for lost time, the girls decided to cram four years of not-to-be-missed fun into one night, a chaotic adventure that no amount of book smarts could prepare them for. The movie originally released March 10th of 2019 and was directed by Olivia Wilde. So I'm looking at the, um, I guess you say the ratings. Um, IMDb rated it as 7.2 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, almost 100%, was at 97%. And Metacritic at 84%, as well as Google users at 84%. I would say 84 would be fair. I mean, there was some... It, it wasn't so good that it... Well, actually, I think it, I think it was really, really good. Um, compared to a lot of other teenage comedies set like in high school right before they get and graduate and they want to have an all-out ball. It's, it's kind of like... This knowing who the girls are and what they wanted to achieve in one night, it seemed a lot more realistic. I mean, obviously it wasn't so realistic. I mean, you had some things that happened. It was like, there's no way that could have, have happened in real life. But it seemed a lot more grounded versus a lot of other teen comedies that can be a bit brash, that can be... A, a bit too explicit, that can be a bit too unrealistic. But we'll get into that as we go along. So the movie first starts out, um, we see Molly in her room and we see a bunch of posters and pictures of these high-ranking, high-influential um, women throughout history, I guess that she wants to be. And I think it was like a banner her graduation cap and gown. It says the Victorian on it. She's very prim and proper. Um, she she's a woman that knows what she wants and she kind of goes for it. And I just thought like the expectations of these women that she admires that she idolizes is really really high, and the expectations that we expect from young girls, even at such a young age, as far as grades, as far as the friends they pick, as far as extracurricular activities that they pursue, um, the people that they quote-unquote date in a way, or potential suitors that they have to pick in a way. Um, I think the same thing goes for um, Amy, who is her best friend. There were expectations from her, it's from other people that, you know, they always stuck together. You saw one, you saw the other. There was never one without the other. And that goes into my theme of friendship. So for me, it's it's a bit difficult personally to see movies like this. I don't really like movies like this not now that I'm an adult because I didn't really have friends like that in school. You know, I had some people that I hung out with Solely because we've known each other since, literally since elementary school. But that was our only, that was our only real connection. 
and kind of like, I'm kind of bitter, I'm kind of jealous, and I can't blame anyone but myself and my own insecurities, but I really loved their friendship. I really liked how they hyped up each other, they gassed each other all the time. I thought it was really, really cool. Um, they were very much together, and it's kind of like a friendship that I would love to have. I would love to have when I was younger. I would love to have now, right? So now we're going to the theme of education. Not only is educate of education, but education equaling freedom. So Molly kind of brags about the fact that she's going to Yale. And then when she's in the bathroom, there's these other three other students that come in there that she always looked at as slackers and that she always tried to um, hold her status of, you know, um, going to Yale over them and come find out, like, not only is another one of the students going to Yale, but you have one that's going to Stanford and one that's not going to college at all. He's actually coding for Google. And that's what kind of sets the track for, oh, we need this last hurrah in school. Like, we missed everything. We need to catch up with them as soon as possible. And that's what kind of sets it off. But for me, education equals freedom because they're free to do whatever it is that they want now in a way like we only know about the people who are going away to school but what about the other people who aren't going away to school who don't really have any other options who can't afford to go to school who didn't have the grades to go and pursue higher education. They have to be stuck in this town working whatever job, you know, or for me, education equals freedom because it, it, it allowed me to broaden my horizons in a way, whereas if I stayed in my town, in my city, I probably wouldn't have been exposed to certain things as early in my life. Versus if I stayed um, home. Um, so education to me is a freedom of, of just venturing out into the world. Freedom of expression. It's also a sign of a privilege. And there's a lot of privilege in this movie. Again, I don't like teen comics because of stuff like this. Because like it, it's so it's so privileged. Which goes into my theme of arrogance. And like I mentioned before, how Molly kind of held her status of going to Yale over other people's heads, not realizing that they're going to these Ivy League schools too. Like even the one girl who was like cracked out of her mind was going to her fifth choice. She's like, don't judge me. It's my fifth choice, Harvard. I'm like, like you guys are going to Ivy League schools. A lot of you are super rich. What are you complaining? What are you complaining about? I'm not saying that rich people don't have problems, but a lot of it is very, uh, very privileged in the movie. And I could never relate to anything like that. I, I would love to see a movie like this that comes from the a black person's perspective, especially like a black girl's perspective. I'm pretty sure there's movies out there that's like that, but. I haven't seen one. I have to keep looking. I'm I'm definitely sure there's movies and TV shows out there like this, but I would love to see more of that. 
So in, I want to go into the theme of fun. Like, what is the definition of fun for a lot of people in these in this movie and in reality? And then the the theme of all work and no play. So the theme of not the theme, but the definition of fun for Amy and Molly was gaining illegal access to the 24-hour library, the college library. They had fake IDs so they could have access to a library whenever they felt like it. They, they fist-pumped the librarian as soon as they went in there, which I thought was... I'm like, this is your idea of fun? You have fake IDs, college IDs, to go into the libraries, not to go into to bars in the clubs, which I thought was... I, I thought it was I thought it was weird, but I was like, okay, this is their definition of fun. This is what they like to do on the weekends, but they missed out on hanging out with other kids at their school that they had nothing to do with actual school or extracurricular activities, right? Other people's definition of fun, like I said, partying, you know, illegally drinking joyriding or whatever it may be and they kind of missed out on that so all work and no play for me it wasn't all work and and it definitely wasn't any type of play for me um I kind of just coasted through high school school was never really a priority to me it was always a priority to other people which goes back into the theme of expectations um, I went to school because I had no other choice. Like I said before, with other people, it was like, what about the people who had no other choice? Who kind of just went because they kind of had to, because they had nothing else going for them. I didn't participate in extracurricular, extracurricular activities. That's one of my greatest regrets in life. That's probably my biggest regret in my 29 years of life is not participating in theater in high school. Because I, I was so afraid of how people would judge me. Like I was, I remember being shamed for doing absolutely nothing, for just simply existing. So I don't know how I could have handled being shamed, being humiliated by actually pursuing something that I enjoyed. Whereas now I was, I don't really care. Like I've missed out on so much that I'm almost, I'll be entering my thirties, finally pursuing what it is that I want to do, like doing this is something that I really want to do. And I'm, I'm really starting to know me. And if I suffer any type of real ramifications from anything, well, I did it by being me. So I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, the whole thing of all work and no play, they miss, it, it, yeah, you missed out on four years of high school, but you're going into college. You know, um, you can do it all there. You know, you got the summer before college, you'll be fine. You know, high school is not the peak. Like, you peaked in high school or high school the best four years of your life. If high school is the best four years of your life, it's kind of it's kind of sad. It's kind of it's kind of sad. Like, you don't have to be dating every single person you came in contact with. You don't have to be, you know, having sex with everybody. You don't have to be drinking. You don't have to be doing this. You don't have to be doing that. Like, you have your whole life... To do all that stuff. It's just more socially acceptable to do it now in high school when you don't really have any type of real responsibilities. But then when you enter 
adulthood, when you got to start paying taxes, when you got to start doing like insurance and rent and bills, that's when it's like, okay, now it's really all work and just a little bit of play, which I don't think is fair. I don't think it's right. You know, I don't believe in work, 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 work. Not anymore, I know. You know, I just came back from vacation and I didn't do, I did absolutely nothing. I was like, well, I'm on vacation. That's what you're supposed to do. It's absolutely nothing. But anyway, we'll continue on. Enough about me. Uh, I want to speak about sexuality, how it was handled in this. And I think it was handled really well as far as um, LGBTQ+, with Amy being open as a lesbian to her parents and her friend Molly, I think was really cool. Um, they were kind of like... Not overbearing parents, but it's like it, they weren't tiptoeing around it, but they just let her let her be. They just assumed that her and Molly were actually in a relationship with each other, but that wasn't the case at all. But who wants to talk about stuff like that with their parents? You know, even to this day, I, I think it's reversed in my in my life where my mom doesn't want to talk about it, but I don't mind talking about it at all. I think it was handled so well because of the director Olivia Wilde. Just like how when I did another movie, I believe it was, well, I've only done one other movie, which was the, um, the old guard. Um, I think because th these movies, these two movies were directed by women, I think it was handled not with more sensitivity, but, um, it was handled appropriately in a way. It wasn't the main focus, you can see that someone is a lesbian in their behavior and the people that they're attracted to, you know, not from the way that they're dressed or um, nothing. It's not overly, overly saturated in sexual references, which I really enjoyed. And in sexuality with Molly, who identified, I believe, who identified as straight. You know, she wasn't, like, this sex hound, even though I'm pretty sure she was a virgin, too. She wasn't, you know, pining for sex all the time. You know, when they watched porn in the back of the lift, I think that was the first time they had ever watched any type of pornography. And you could see the embarrassment that they were, um, they were going through. I mean, it was other things to be embarrassed about, like where they were doing it, who they were with. But, but still, it was... I think it was handled appropriately. It was just enough that earned them their uh, rated R rating. So when we're going to the theme of loyalty. There's a scene where no, it's it's a couple of scenes that you notice where um, Molly and Amy they kind of get into a bit of an argument, but it it blows up in the end. But they kind of teeter on um, being loyal to each other, loyal to their friendship, loyal to their history. And then, like I said, it blows up in the end. They're arguing and they're arguing in front of a room full of people as well. And it's like, some people were filming. I was like, how can you film something like this? If anything, you would try to intervene to get them out, out of the way. But again, this is, you know, a room full of teenagers. But, um... I really liked, I really enjoyed their loyalty 
to each other. This is something that I don't really get in my own life is loyalty from the people around me. I don't really feel that. And they had a code word that if one of them said it to the other, the other person had to do what it was. Like it was only used in emergencies only. And when one of them said it, the other one wouldn't abide to it. So that right there broke their code, broke their loyalty to each other. And I thought it was really, really sad. I mean, I've never had a blow up with a friend, someone that I, I thought was my friend. Um, but I feel like my loyalty to them and the loyalty to me as friends was broken throughout throughout certain actions that had been committed, right? Whereas this is one big thing, but they did bring up the fact that, you know, the, the other instances that grated on their nerves and now was the time. Of all times, they really talk about it, but I, I like that. And then the honesty, which kind of ties into this in a way, like they weren't being honest with each other. Mind you, these were best friends. Like everybody knew that they always stuck together. They were a package deal, but they weren't being honest with each other. And it's like it's one thing to keep secrets, and it's one thing to be honest with each other. Um, Amy wasn't being honest about what she was doing at the high school. Um, let's say Molly, I meant Amy. Um, and then, I mean, Molly wasn't honest about why she really wanted to do, why she really wanted to go to this party, why it was really, so, it was so important for her to prove that she could be fun, that she could be wild, that she could do the same things that everyone else has done and still be, I guess, still put herself up on this pedestal as a valedictorian. But I feel like Amy's thing was the, the big, big thing. But I feel like everybody's not being honest with not only the people around them, the people that are closest to them, but to themselves. And I think that's the big, that's the biggest plot point right there is being honest with not only the people around you, but being honest with yourself. What is it, what is it that you honestly want to do? And I think it's important to do it in these high school themed comedy movies because a lot of decisions about your life are being made now. Things that you do now are going to define your life for like the next five, six years. You know, it, before you go to college, when you're in college, after you come out of college, um, I, I still feel the ramifications of when I came out of college. I think I graduated like seven years ago. And then I graduated, what was it? Oh my God, I graduated 2009. So like 11, ooh, 11 years ago from high school. And I'm still feeling the ramifications of that. Like I said, not joining the drama club or theater, whatever you want to call it, not taking theater is my greatest regret in life. And I'm still kind of like trying to make up for it with the other things that I do and expressing myself. 
So then lastly, I want to go into assumptions. Again, not joining theater was based off my own insecurities. Not only my own my insecurities, but from previous shame, from previous humiliation, and the teasing and the bullying. It's like, why would I purposely put myself through this when I'm being shamed and humiliated just for simply existing, right? But at the end of the day, nobody cares. That's, that's what you, you have to understand. At the end of the day, nobody cares. You know, there's these rumors and, like I said, assumptions that Molly, mainly Molly, had been making about her other classmates. You know, when she, she's on the debate team and she's valedictorian, class president, this and that, and I'm going to Harvard, and you guys are losers. And, but come to find out, a lot of them are going to Ivy League schools. You know, there, there's another woman who she, not one of them, sorry, these are high school kids. There was another girl um, that she slut-shamed. You know, along with the guys. When she brought up two months, she was like, you know, I expect it from the guys. But it hurts a lot more that's coming from the other girls. You know? And coming from her, like, that, that didn't need to be made. She's actually really nice. You know? And the same thing with the other people that she would make fun of. That she would shame because she didn't see them as equal to her. And honestly, I think it's just as bad... As the other women, when we circle back around to the beginning, all the other women that she idolizes, that she admires, that she aspires to be, probably went through the same thing. That, you know, they're working to this male-dominated world, male-dominated uh, space, and they're not seen as equals because of their own prejudice, because of their own assumptions, right? So, I mean, I think Amy... Probably had her own assumptions, but she never really, she never vocalized them as much as Molly did. Because Molly was the more prominent voice between the duo. But even Molly mentioned, she was like, Amy never really had those prejudices against that same girl. Or even the other classmates. And I think that ties into the fact that she is not only a woman. Sorry, these are not women. <laughs> She's not, not, I think that ties into the fact that because... She is female, but the fact that she's also queer, you know, um, making she her her thing is she likes another girl to school, but they've never really had a conversation like that outside of school. They never really hung out with each other outside of school, and the other girl is a skater girl, and just because she likes her and she dresses a certain way. And she hangs out with a lot of other guys and other, a lot of other tomboys doesn't automatically make her a lesbian, right? I mean, there was a little bit of back and forth between the two, a little bit of flirting, a little bit of touching, but that doesn't automatically make her a lesbian. It just makes her affectionate. It makes her open, it, open, I should say, open as a human being to other human beings around her, right? So, like I said, I mean, I... At the end of the day, I would recommend this movie. I would probably recommend this movie more than I would recommend any other 
um, teen comedy. Like, I hate to mention Super Bad, but I mention it only because of the connection between the two. Beanie Feinstein, who plays Molly, is just the younger sister of Jonah Hill, who was in Super Bad. Um, what I really like about this film is not, you know, too unrealistic. Um, it's not so over exaggerated. Um, it's not overly saturated with swear words and sexual references. Like, I would probably watch this with my mom. You know, I would probably watch this in an open area or, um, like in a public space or something like that. Whereas a lot of movies, I wouldn't. Um, I think I heard one time that I think it was the scene with Amy and the other girl in the bathroom that was cut out from the movie on a plane. I was like, but you don't, you don't see anything. There isn't any gestures or anything like that. You have headphones on. And I think there may be subtitles, but you don't really see anything. So, and I think that has a lot to do with, again, being a female director there are certain things that you don't really need to see. You kind of just, it's just inferred in a way, but you still understand what is happening in the movie. It's not totally explicit, which I really enjoy too. Not that I don't like stuff like that. It's just, there's a certain place in time and context in which it needs to be there. And a lot of times it really doesn't. But that's just, you know, man... And woman, and then you got you know the whole thing of sexuality with the director as well, but that's just a whole different discussion. That you know, once we see a movie that's directed by whomever it is, you know, whatever sexuality may be on that scale, we'll we'll talk about it. But again, this movie, Booksmart, came out in 2019, directed by Olivia Wilde. I actually saw it on Hulu, which is still up right now. Um, if not, by the time you watch it, you may want to buy it somewhere else. I'm not sure. But again, I would highly recommend this movie. So again, this has been K.S. Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Thank you. 